I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Our 1030 service, for uh, those of you who may not know, is our catechism service. And so we work our way through the Heidelberg Catechism as it summarizes for us the basic truths that we believe and that are taught for us in the Scriptures. And where we are in the Catechism is in an exposition of the Apostles' Creed. What do we mean by the various articles that are contained within the Apostles' Creed? And so, um, we are, um, as we think about the Apostles' Creed, we're thinking specifically about our confession that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What does it mean when we confess the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And specifically, how does the resurrection of Jesus Christ benefit his church? Christ died for his people, and Christ was raised for his people. And so what are the benefits that accrue to us as those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been united to him not only in his death, but also in his resurrection? And so that's what we're going to focus on uh, for this service, and uh, we'll do so from Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses. Actually, we'll start in verse 20 of chapter 2, so if you go back a bit. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, this is the holy and inspired word of God. The Apostle Paul writes, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referencing things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God." When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So far from God's holy word. We're going to turn in the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to the Catechism, to Lord's Day 17. And that's on page 879. There's one question there, and I'll read the question, and we'll respond together with the answers once we all get there. So Lord's Day 17, question 45. Again, I'll read the question. We'll respond together with the answer there. So question 45. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death so that he might make us share in the righteousness he obtained for us by his death. Second, by his power, we too are already raised to a new life Third, Christ's resurrection is a sure pledge to us of our blessed resurrection. So far from our catechism. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we think about uh, the benefits of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we want to do so from Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul reminds the church that when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you died. And that's, that's how stark of a statement the Apostle Paul makes, as he says there in verse 20. If with Christ, 
you died. And the way that that sentence is construed is that he's basically saying, if with Christ you died and you did, then you are to consider yourselves in this way. But not only do we share in Christ's death, but also in his resurrection, as he says in chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. The Apostle Paul, when he speaks to the church, reminds us that as we have believed upon Jesus Christ, that our faith has grabbed hold of Christ so that our life is now found in him. So that when Christ died, we died. And when Christ was raised to newness of life, so too we have been raised to newness of life. We are then to think of ourselves as those who are united to Christ, as those who are united to the resurrected and ascended Lord of heaven and earth. And it's on this basis that the Apostle Paul then exhorts us in Colossians chapter 3 to seek the things that are above, seek the things that are heavenly, the things that are in heaven where Christ is. G.K. Beale, uh, one commentator on Colossians here, summarizes this passage saying that believers should seek heavenly things and not old earthly things, Because they have died to the old world and have been raised with Christ as a new creation in a new heavenly world. And so as Paul lays out the identity of the church, who we are in Christ, at every point he wants us to see ourselves never apart from Christ but always in him. In the four verses that we read in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4, Christ is repeated, his name is repeated four times at every point, where every turn in which every way we can turn the Christian life, Paul wants us to see Christ at work in us, in us, in Him. And so then, as we think about then what it means that we belong and are united to Christ in His resurrection, and what the new life looks like in Him, Paul simply defines it as seeking the things that are above. And as we think about then what this looks like in more detail, we'll do so just using the outline uh, contained in the catechism. We'll just work through the three benefits that accrue to us in Christ's resurrection and see how they're taught to us here in Colossians um, chapter 3, but also in earlier portions of Colossians as well. And so the Apostle Paul reminding us that we've died with Christ and have been raised with Christ teaches us first that by Christ's resurrection, he has overcome death so that he might make us share in the righteousness he obtained for us by his death. This is seen, for example, earlier in Colossians, if you look back to Colossians chapter 1, where Paul talks about how God, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, has taken us out of the domain of darkness and brought us into a kingdom where there is righteousness, the forgiveness of sins. Notice, for example, in chapter 1, uh, verse 13, speaking of God the Father, it says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the question is, what is the way of being transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son? How do you get from one place to the other? What's the path that leads out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, where there are these great benefits of the forgiveness of sins and redemption, righteousness in Christ? 
And Paul teaches that the only way into the kingdom is by identifying yourself by faith with Jesus Christ. Because when you identify yourself with him, you die and are raised to new life that is found in the kingdom of God. And it's within that kingdom, as we are united to Christ by faith, that all that he has accomplished for us is given to us. That we become sharers, participators in his righteousness. No longer those marked by our sin and our misery. No longer those marked and defined by rags of of unrighteousness before God in which we would have no place before him. Now as we have believed in Jesus Christ, we are clothed in his righteousness, sharers in his perfect righteousness that he has obtained for us by his death. And so when we believe in Jesus Christ as raised from the dead, we recognize ourselves no longer away from the presence of God, wallowing in our sin and our misery, but now we can reckon ourselves righteous. The Apostle Paul says elsewhere that God made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. We are sharers in the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, when I as those who believe in Jesus Christ, I then come before God not with a righteousness of my own and not on the basis of the things that I have done, but rather I come on the basis of what Christ has done for me. You share in the righteousness of Jesus Christ who has been raised from the dead and his resurrection from the dead at least in part, many, there's many facets to it, but at least in part is a confirmation of the perfect righteousness that he obtains and that he has to give to you. And therefore, we look to no other to be made right with God, not to ourselves, not to any other creature, but we look to Christ as sharers in his righteousness. And then in his resurrection, we then are the righteousness of God. Secondly, the next benefit that accrues to us, not only am I made right with God, but now there's new power in my life to walk, no longer in the old ways, but in new ways, right? The catechism says that second, the second benefit that accrues to us is that by Christ's resurrection power, we too are already raised to a new life. That when you believed in Jesus Christ, spiritually you've been raised to new life. Paul says the inner man is being renewed day by day, though the outer man is wasting away. Our bodies have not yet been raised. The perishable has not yet put on the imperishable, the corruptible, the incorruptible. But at present, we have been raised to new life. And therefore, we are no longer to be enslaved and and to think of ourselves as enslaved to the old patterns of life. But instead, the Christian has been endowed with new power to walk in the newness of life. Because the Colossians and because you have come into union with Christ's resurrection, you now have the resurrection power to obey God's commandments. It's on this basis that all of the commands of Scripture come to us. Because you have been raised, because you have new life in Christ, you now can walk in the commandments that God has given to us. 
And therefore, we're not merely to think of ourselves as those who, we're not to think that we are to live as those who have been raised from the dead, but rather we're to live as those who have actually been raised to new life, who have a new life in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says that we are then no longer to seek the things that are below, but seek the things that are above. Heavenly things, our minds are set there, where Christ is, seated at God's right hand, as he says um, at the end of verse 1, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. An allusion back to Psalm 110, uh, verse 1, where, the, uh, where King David looked forward to his son one day reigning and his rule being inaugurated. And it's there in heaven where Christ reigns and rules, and so our life is now hidden with Christ there. Another way of putting that, as Paul says to the Philippians, to live is Christ. And therefore, when I think about my life, and I think about the struggles, I think about putting sin to death, I'm then to look for strength to do such things, not in myself, but as I look to Jesus Christ and I set my mind there. You know, we live in a, a day where the emphasis is on always doing. And that's always important, right? We're not to be mere hearers of the word, but doers of the word. But the way the Apostle Paul uh, speaks to us here is that he shows us that our doing flows from our thinking. What we think to be true, what we think upon are the things that affect our hands and our actions and our feet and what we um, go out and do. It's why the Apostle Paul says, set your mind on things that are above. Think upon these things. Reckon yourself in this way, and as we do so, we come to find a newness of life in Christ, to walk in the commands of God, and to do so with great joy in our hearts, knowing that our obedience is not that which is making us righteous with God. We've received that already in Christ, but rather it flows from a heart of gratitude and flows from the power of Christ at work in us as those who are raised from the dead. Now, something to notice before we get to the third benefit is that these first two benefits, right? I share in Christ's righteousness. I have a new power to walk in the ways of God. That these things are presently hidden. There's nothing that I can tangibly touch and feel to know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. These are realities that Paul preaches to the church and we hear in God's word. But they're realities that we are to believe by faith, that Paul calls us to walk by faith and not by sight, that I am righteous with God requires that I believe the promise of God, that I have this new power, resurrection power of Christ surging in me to walk in his ways is something that I receive by faith. Who I am at present and who you are at present in Christ is hidden, right? Paul says, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And the way Christ is hidden, though he is crowned with all glory and honor, and though he today possesses all authority in heaven and on earth, yet it is presently hidden, veiled in the heavens, beyond our sight. And they are things then that we receive by faith. We know who we are today by faith. Not a mere blind faith, but trusting God's word. 
and trusting God himself as one who has spoken this true word of us. I have believed in Christ, and though I do not see it with my own eyes, yet I know it true, more true than anything, that I am righteous because of Christ. And that I have new resurrection power surging in me that I can put away the old man and walk in the new man, walk in Christ and his ways. And so today we walk by faith and not by sight. But as we come to the third benefit, there is coming a day when no longer will God's people, no longer will you walk by faith, but your faith will become sight. And that's the wonderful thing Paul teaches us as well. That is, as who we are today is hidden, who we are as those whose life is hidden with Christ is not seen today, yet there is coming a day when who we are will be made visible. As Paul says, chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Right, the appearance, something made visible. That when Christ appears, because your life is bound up in his by faith, when he appears, so too will you appear with him in glory. Paul here is speaking of the bodily resurrection of his people. We confess in the Apostles' Creed that Christ's resurrection is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection that will come in the future. At present, who you are today, the, the world can look upon you, and you don't look very different. Your lives hopefully do look different to a degree, the way we live our lives, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we love one another, right? These are things that are marks of the Christian today. But beyond those things, visibly, we don't portray in our bodies that we belong to the resurrected and ascended Christ. At least not yet. But when Christ comes, he will raise his people bodily to share in his glory, in his resurrection glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears at the end of the age, coming for his people, then you will appear with him in glory. It's then that without a shadow of a doubt, it will be seen and recognized and known by all. That, that this person, that you, belong to Christ. That your life is hidden, was hidden in him and now is made visible. It's then that, that no longer will God's people endure the mocking and the scoffing of the world around us. But it's then that we will be vindicated before the world. And it's then that we look forward to our vindication as we share in the very glory of Christ. The Belgic Confession, another one of um, the uh, confessions of the Reformed Church, puts it, puts it this way in uh, the final article of the Belgic Confession, saying that the faithful and elect will be crowned on that day when Christ comes again with glory and honor. The Son of God will confess their names before God his Father and the holy and elect angels all tears will be wiped from their eyes, and their cause, at present condemned as heretical and evil by many judges and civil officers, will be acknowledged as the cause of the Son of God. And as a gracious reward, the Lord will make them possess a glory such as the heart of man could never imagine, 
So we look forward to that great day with longing in order to enjoy fully the promises of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now many implications flow from this, and we don't have time to draw all of them out, but as we look forward to that day, that coming day, we recognize then that I, know, I do not need to defend myself in the presence. You know, so often we want to vindicate ourselves already before the eyes of the world. We want the world to recognize who we are right now. We can often take those things into our own hands. We can often des- desire to that, um, that God um, uh, show to the world already who we are in Christ. But God's, because we, look, because we look forward to this, this future resurrection, we can now at present entrust ourselves to God as the one who will vindicate us. We don't need to take our cause into our own hands. We don't need to take the cause of Christ and begin engaging in it in the ways that the world engages. But instead, we can entrust ourselves to God, knowing that no matter what comes and no matter what I face for the sake of Christ, one, my life today is secure because it's hidden with him. And therefore, I have no reason to fear and no reason uh, to, to begin acting in ways contrary to Christ. My life is secure. And we'll see this in our second service as well as we look to Daniel chapter 7. As we look to the Ancient of Days seated upon his throne with serenity and tranquility and perfect poise. Despite the beasts arising out of the sea, right? He can look out and see in the midst of the chaos, God sits in control, serene, and so too God's people. Our life is secure. It's there with Christ, seated at the right hand of God. And the idea that, it's, that he's there seated is so significant, right? We think of the person who's frantic, right, is running around here and there. And sometimes our own lives could feel like that, right? Frantic, hectic, unsure, scared. And, and, we, and when we're like that, right, sitting down is a hard thing to do because we, things need to be done. Things need to be taken care of. Fires need to be put out. But Christ is in heaven, seated. And your life is securely hidden in him today. And secondly, not only are we secure in that regard, but then we entrust ourselves to God because when Christ, who is our life, appears, it's then that our vindication comes. It's then that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's then that though the church today has lived for Christ and his ways and his kingdom, though they are mocked and persecuted today, it's then that it will be known to all that what we live for was the only thing truly worth living for, living for the glory of Christ. And so when we think about ourselves then, we are to think about ourselves as those who are united by faith to the resurrected and ascended Christ. And we are then to think of ourselves then as those who at present have a life hidden with Christ, though we, and yet we are righteous by faith today. We share in his power to walk in the newness of life, and we have great hope for the future, the hope of glory, as Paul calls it that we will share in that glory and appear with him in it before the world. And therefore, we, as God's people, have our minds set not on things that are earth, on earth, but things that are in, in heaven above. 
and know ourselves secure in Christ, that nothing in all of creation, not even death itself, can separate us from his love. And that's what it means then to belong, to be united to Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for all the benefits that come to us in Christ, all of them redounding to his glory and his praise. Father, thank you that in Christ's resurrection we are sharers in his righteousness. Thank you that in his resurrection we find a new power to walk, no longer in the old ways that lead to death, but in the new ways, the ways of Christ, bringing honor and glory to him. And thank you also for the great hope, the future that we have in Christ, of one day being raised with him to share in his glory, to be vindicated before this world. Father, until that day, may we rest in you. May we walk by faith and not by sight. And may your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we seek to live for Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this all in his name. Amen.